0: What is up, Cryptid Chat fam? This is Yami for another exciting episode of Cryptid Chat with Yami. So, welcome to any new listeners. Welcome back to any old listeners. I just want to give a quick shout out to all of the followers on Instagram. Thank you guys so much. We are officially over 410 followers on Instagram. That is wild to me. So thank you so much for all the love. Thank you to all the other podcasts and pages that have given shout outs and have talked about our podcast here. You are so loved and I am so grateful for the love that we are receiving over here at Cryptid Chat. I send you all positive vibes back over your way as well. And I'm also very excited because if you guys haven't seen our Instagram, uh, Instagram page, or if you haven't paid uh, attention to whatever podcast streaming service you are currently using, you may have missed that we have a brand new logo. Cryptid Chat got a little bit of an upgrade. I wanted to give our logo some color, some personality. So, um, working with uh, my wonderful boyfriend, we were able to design this logo. And I hope you guys love it. I hope one day that I'll be able to maybe have some merch out so that you guys can get little buttons and stickers and whatnot with our Cryptid Chat logo. But don't worry. If you were a fan of Nessie in the logo, she's still there. She's just been spruced up a little bit. Uh, Also, along with my own handwriting in the logo. So, And very exciting stuff going on right now for Cryptid Chat. Um, lately, we've been doing some interviews, some return interviews with some other wonderful podcasters, and I'm super excited to see what else the future holds for CryptoChat. Chat. Let's see how far we go, see all the places that we will explore. So again, thank you guys so much for the support. Without it, we would not be here today on this new episode. If you've been seeing our Instagram page, we've been teasing today's episode. And I am really psyched about this episode because today we are going to be talking about Chernobyl. So grab your gas mask, my friends. Grab some, I was going to say popcorn, but if, you're, if you have a gas mask on, that defeats the purpose. Grab your gas mask anyway. Kick up your feet on the couch, and let's get ready to dive into Chernobyl, the history, the mysteries, and the theories. Alright, with my belly full of mac and cheese, and my candy corn socks on to keep me cozy, let's dive into Chernobyl's history. So, a disclaimer, I am not a nuclear physicist. At all, I apologize if I um, make this sound a lot more complicated than what it was. Um, again, nuclear power plants and nuclear reactions are not my forte. So I think most of us have heard at the very least the the name Chernobyl. We have an idea and there's certain things that we automatically associate when we hear about Chernobyl. So just to give you guys a little background knowledge of Chernobyl before we get into the saucy stuff, Chernobyl is located about 81 miles north of Kiev, Ukraine. So it was a part of the former Soviet Union, the USSR, and it was created, uh, construction began in 1970, continued on for many years. The fourth reactor which would become the site of the infamous Chernobyl disaster uh, was completed in 1983. So the power plant itself consisted of four of these nuclear reactors and the type of nuclear reactors that they used were specifically Soviet designs and they are called RBMK-1000 reactors. What that stands for I don't know. I just know that the design itself is specifically Soviet. And there was originally plans to have about 12 reactors in the plant itself. Um, That did not happen after the big explosions and whatnot. Um, But to give you a perspective of how much energy was generated from the Chernobyl power plant at the height of its, um, basically at the height of its, you know, power... go with that. The four reactors together produced 10 percent of all of Ukraine's electricity. So a lot of power coming from the specific plant. The way that the reactors work, and here's where that disclaimer comes into play. I really hope I can uh, not confuse you or bore you guys too much. But so the reactors basically work by you take uranium dioxide, take that. You put it into a pressurized tube with hot water. It creates steam, which then drives into these turbines connected to the reactors. And boom, you get electricity. And then if you want to balance or stabilize anything, you can use water. But in these plants, uh, at this plant specifically, they used graphite to kind of keep everything in balance in the reactors. So that's nuclear physicistness for you. The closest town to Chernobyl sat less than two miles away and it was a town of Pripyat. Sorry if I butcher it as well with a pronunciation. It sat less than two miles away and at the time of the explosion, it had a population of around 500,000 people. So a pretty nice town and most of the people that did live there were um, connected to the work that was happening at the power plant. So to give you an idea. So before the big boom explosion um, that would take place in 1986, there was a smaller incident that occurred in 1982 um, with the first reactor experiencing a partial meltdown. No one was killed and actually nobody even noticed that anything happened until several hours later, which is cool. the incident did release radiation, but we're not sure how much. And what's even better is that the public itself didn't know about this until a few years later. So it's good. It's fine. The reactor was working back in eight months anyway, so it's okay. But now we are getting to the big day. April 26, 1986. At approximately 1.23 a.m., an explosion occurred that destroyed the fourth reactor at the Chernobyl power plant. It was followed by another explosion, and both of these explosions created a fire that began to spread through the building. So, fun day for anybody who was working during that time. So this, the blast itself and everything that happened, it happened during a maintenance check basically gone wrong is what's believed to be the catalyst for the series of events that would lead to the explosion. So it's believed that the control systems for the for the reactors were turned off for reactor four, and that's technically against regulation, so they shouldn't have done that. Um, And it caused the reactor to become unstable and basically go into, like, low power. And we're not sure, again, exactly what happened to cause the explosion because there's a lot of speculation and there was a lot of secrecy around it, conflicting reports. Uh, It's largely believed that a huge power surge occurred and that caused hydrogen and excess steam to create an explosion. The main fire... Uh, that spread throughout the rest of the building was fueled by graphite. So that's why it did not want to go off. It basically took up to 10 days to fully contain that fire. And it would later take an uh, an extra 10 days for the toxins to stop being released into the atmosphere. Which is wonderful because they had like 20 days worth of like who knows what going into the air. Um, So the first explosion, the one that occurred at 1.23 a.m., it was so powerful that it blew the... Okay, this is bad, I'm laughing. It literally blew the roof off this place. So it blew a 1,000 ton roof off of the fourth reactor. So that's wild. Um, right after the explosions of the fire began, the firefighters were brought in to help stop the fires. They were not aware of the situation, so unfortunately none of them came with any appropriate protection. Um, and, yeah, that didn't turn out well for pretty much any of them, as you can imagine. Especially being there initially after the explosions, so they're intaking quite a bit of that radiation. Yeah. Yeah. Not good, not good at all. If you haven't seen the HBO show uh, Chernobyl, I would highly recommend you to do so. They do a really good job of portraying um, the fallout of the disaster and also like showing the effects of radiation poisoning and sickness and beyond on the human body. So it's it's a tough watch, but it's it'll definitely piece a lot of this together too. So, in the next days, uh, helicopters would come over the site dumping sand into the core to try and stop uh, basically the emissions of toxins into our already very wonderful environment. Yay. Go. (laughs) Go our environment. She's, She's trying real hard to stay up there. So... One of the most well-known sites associated with the Chernobyl disaster is what's called the Elephant's Foot. So under the what remains basically of the fourth reactor, um, the a huge mass of basically the materials inside the reactor and from the reactor um, kind of just m- melted down and into. And it settled into the shape that kind of looks like an elephant's foot. And that's why they call it that. Um, it's still... There to this very day, but it is extremely radioactive. To give you a perspective, eight months after they noticed uh, the elephant's foot mass basically um, being being created, it delivered a lethal dose of radiation in just five minutes. So that is crazy. Just five minutes, and you could die being around it. Very very crazy. So. However, at the end of all this, eventually the reactor was sealed in a concrete sarcophagus to for, um, basically prevent further spread of radiation toxins, but even the designers and the scientists that worked on it weren't 100% sure how well it would keep radiation in. There was also concerns if the radiation would leak down into the ground and then taint like the, the groundwater um, inside the Earth, which would definitely really really suck um the concrete sarcophagus is still there to this day and it's said to supposedly it's going to last around 100 years but again not 100 sure um the uh, this is a fun one i well, you would think that if you had a nuclear disaster that could have been really bad for not only your country, but potentially the rest of Europe, and subsequently the world, that you would maybe shut down operations. You know, that seems like a wise thing to do for a little bit. Maybe lie low. But that's not what was done here. The rest of the reactors that were not damaged by the explosion continued operations until the year 2000. So. And to keep it going, keep the comfort level going, even though the design of these reactors uh, was proven to be a fault, like it's it's a it's a flawed design. It, it it shouldn't the design itself is just not safe. Russia to this day still has around ten of these reactors, so the same ones that that blew, uh, still has that about ten of them in operation to this very day. Woo! That makes me feel all good inside, let me tell you. So anyway, that was the explosion. So the subsequent consequences of the explosion were that initially during the blast, two workers were sadly killed because they were basically right there next to the reactors. Um, Many others would soon come to die of radiation sickness. And the toxic fumes and radiation and dust that were expelled from the plant were carried by the wind into the atmosphere, into surrounding areas and parts of Europe as well. Pripyat, the town closest to Chernobyl, was not evacuated until almost 36 hours later. So there's a lot of speculation as to why this happened. Um, maybe they didn't want to make it. Seemed like it was a big deal. Maybe they didn't want people to panic. Whatever the case may be, they were not even advised to stay indoors. So people were still basically, they knew something had happened, but it, um, they basically were continuing their, the rest of their normal activities, um, without knowing that literally less than two miles later, there was radiation leaking all over them. So... It is unknown the exact amount of people that would ultimately be affected by the radiation and the toxins um, that were spread from the from the nuclear reactor itself. Uh, Russia gives the direct number of people that died. Um, basically, they say it's. It's 31 people directly died from Chernobyl. But the United Nations estimates that around 4,000 to 93,000 people were ultimately affected by Chernobyl. So it's really it's rough numbers to look at. And we've seen spikes in, like, for example, cancer deaths and just cancer diagnoses around those areas as well. Um, because, probably because of the radiation to this day, a 1,000-square-mile exclusion zone exists around Chernobyl, encompassing also Pripyat. The the plant and the area is pretty much off-limits to most people, but what has changed is that now there's been a trend toward, like, dark tourism. And there are certain areas in the exclusion zone that can be visited by people um, only with permission. So, like, guided. there's certain, like, permitted guided tours and excursions that can take you into Pripyat and Chernobyl at your own risk. Even though, um, I've actually checked a few of these sites because I really want to take one of these tours and that sounds absolutely crazy. Like cancer already runs in my mom's side of the family. Why do I want to up my chances? But apparently according to the tour guides and a lot of these sites, they say that the risk for radiation exposure is actually not, uh, it's not, As bad as you think. They say it's actually very little and as long as you follow their rules, don't do nothing stupid, you're pretty good. You should be fine. And I'm not that crazy because statistically in 2018 alone over 60,000 people are said to have visited the exclusion zone. So tourism is actually pretty alive and well in the Chernobyl area. Again, if you're planning to visit, please do so with a tour guide. Um, You're advised to not go into the forest because they are especially radioactive. Please don't touch anything. Don't sit on anything. Don't take anything. Self-explanatory. And then you are advised to cover as much skin as possible with closed-toed shoes just to prevent um, anything, protect yourself, you know, some extra layers. So... And then guests that come in and out of the exclusion zone are, are checked thoroughly for radiation. So you're checked before and you're checked after. Um, what happens if the alarm goes off? I don't know what to tell you. That's where you're on your own. And I guess that's why you sign little forms that say like you're at your own risk kind of deal. So Chernobyl itself, even though it's a little bit of a tourism site to this day, um, the site itself is, is still technically uninhabitable for people to live there. And it's not really known exactly when it'll be fully safe or inhabitable again. Uh, experts and researchers kind of float around and debate this. Um, and we're just kind of learning now also by like looking at uh, the research that's coming from Chernobyl. Um, looking at the wildlife. Looking at a variety of different things plant life, etc. It is believed, though, that it may take anywhere between a few hundred years to even 20,000 years for the land to be fully inhabitable again. So that is crazy. Cleanup still continues in the area. um, And even though it's uninhabitable, there actually are a a handful of people that went back into the exclusion zone uh, to live at their own risk. So there are a few people that do live around, um, around and in the zone, um, basically because that was their homes and they really wanted to go. So it's, it's really crazy. I don't, I don't know if I would ever do that. But kudos to those who chose to do so again at their own risk. But that's Chernobyl in a little, little, little bite. Little bite-sized overview uh, into the history of the tragedy, into the effects of it, but I know you guys have been waiting for this portion of it, so we're about to dive into the legends and the mysteries and the conspiracy theories that have been linked to Chernobyl. All right, so the first legend that we're going to be exploring, uh, tied to Chernobyl, is a story that I had heard a little bit about, and I got really excited about because it had some, it has some ties to a creature that uh, we know and love over here at Crypt Chat. But this legend talks about what is known as the Blackbird of Chernobyl. So the way that the legend goes, and what we I guess what we know of it is that it seems there were several eyewitnesses and plant workers that had reported seeing a black humanoid creature that could fly with large red eyes. And they had witnessed it flying around the plant prior to the Chernobyl disaster. So it's even reported that the creature was spotted uh, even like up to the very day of April 26th. So... This is reported again by people that worked and lived around the plant. Most eyewitnesses unfortunately to this story ended up perishing because they were there working so they were directly exposed to the radiation. However, um, the few survivors that are said to exist Uh, Claimed that after witnessing this creature, they began to have nightmares about it, very vivid nightmares. And they also began to receive threatening phone calls about um, what they saw. So, very creepy, very creepy. Um, There's also reports of visitors to the area in the exclusion zone that reported seeing a similar creature. And this was back in 2008. So is it still around? I don't know. But the blackbird of Chernobyl is often linked to the Mothman in North America in the US. That was a really rough voice crack. That was embarrassing. So, the blackbird is often seen and thought of in legend as kind of like like a har I'm going to I always butcher this word, but I like this word. It's kind of viewed as like this like harbinger of disaster to come. So the same way that um, some of the legends around Mothman link him to the, the silver bridge collapse um, in 19, um, 1980s. Wait, no. Yes. No. 1967. I believe the silver bridge crash, Um, crash silver bridge collapse. My goodness. Um, they kind of view these, both of these creatures either as one, they are the same creature, or two, they're of the same sort of kind. So a lot of theories about that. Um, because it's really just word of mouth and we don't have any physical proof, uh, a lot of people think that it's really just that. It's just a legend. Um, they think, there's a lot of people that think that it's just a work of internet fiction, that it's just a creepy pasta's, um, because there was no media reports after Chernobyl or before Chernobyl about um, anyone seeing this type of creature, and you know, just it's it's so unknown where the story came from to begin with, so it's chalked up often to just being internet fiction, but who knows, you know. Um, if people were being threatened, maybe that's why they didn't come out and share their story with media and whatnot, especially being in a in the Soviet Union. I think things are a little bit different uh, in terms of what you sh- what you can share so openly. So the Blackbird of Chernobyl, that is her story. Now, we move into the next legend associated with uh, Chernobyl. And that has to do with UFOs. So say it with me, friends. Aliens. So apparently there were reports of strange lights and weird objects in the skies again before and during the Chernobyl disaster. So we actually have an eyewitness here that I was able to um, find a name for. His name is Mikhail Varitsky. And he is said to be an eyewitness that describes seeing balls of light that were hovering above the reactor and later saw um, these same balls of light um, in 1989, so just um, just a few years later when there was another small radiation leak from Chernobyl. So apparently Mikhail was not the only eyewitness, though. And other eyewitnesses did re- report seeing UFOs around Pripyat as well and there's also reports of local pilots that began to uh, report increased sightings of things that looked like UFOs uh, leading up to the tragedy. So there is a a former Soviet official newspaper that claimed that up to hundreds of people were seeing UFOs for around six hours during the disaster. So I don't know how, you know, how accurate what uh, their reporting was, but apparently hundreds of people. Um, Diving in a little bit more on the UFO take in general, um, I found that UFO sightings are actually pretty common around nuclear reactors, nuclear plants, and military installations just around the world. Um, When we think of like another nuclear disaster, the last one that happened was 2011 was uh the great japan earthquake and the subsequent tsunami that led to uh the again the a nuclear power plant in fukushima experiencing a meltdown there and supposedly they also experienced an increase in ufo sightings around that same time so what is the intrigue of these sites to ufos is a very You know, it's a very interesting question. Are they checking us out? Do they know more about nuclear energy and things like that than we do? I don't know, you know. Um, When it comes to Chernobyl specifically, though, there's rumors and the conspiracy theories around it with UFOs. Um, There was the question of were the UFOs helping or trying to help to contain what was happening Were they observing what was happening or were they the cause of what happened, you know? Um, It's just one of those things that we just don't know of fully enough. But as we get more and more UFO sightings and, you know, eyewitness accounts, I suppose that we'll start to learn. And we have started to learn more about um, this phenomenon and the behavior associated with it. So when we think of nuclear radiation and nuclear war and all these sorts of things, we get these images in our heads of, like, apocalyptic type of scenarios. And, you know, um, movies have, like, used this kind of plot idea to create, like, like, radioactive, like, mutants and zombies and all these sorts of things like that. Well, Chernobyl is not too far off from that as well. So in keeping with the radiation filled theories around Chernobyl, this next section, will we're going to talk about the mutations, question mark, um, involved with Chernobyl and the different legends and conspiracy theories that are linked to basically the effects of radiation on people and local wildlife. So I, um, Specifically, we're going to start with the wildlife. So we do know that farmers and ranchers uh, noticed a spike in animal deformities after the disaster. So those that were farming in areas around um, Chernobyl and areas that were heavily influenced by the toxins that were carried by the wind. Um, It's estimated that around 400 deformed animals were born um, by 1990. So when we're talking about animal mutations and like deformities, you we're including things like they were born with extra appendages. there were you know, like very strange color, uh, color patterns and things like that. There were size differences, facial deformities, genetic differences and beyond. Um, the Deformities were most um, most, associated in common in pigs and cows in the region. However, it didn't seem to fully, I guess, affect the wildlife negatively. So animals and wildlife in the exclusion zone in the areas around it have seemingly basically adapted to their radioactive homes now. There are several different populations of animals that are actually thriving pretty well in the exclusion zone because there are no people around. So they can kind of thrive, but because they are eating radioactive plants and foods, these animals are, of course, radioactive themselves. Um, There are some consequences of the radiation besides just like mutations and deformities. Things like these animals are not as reproductive or they don't live as long um, are just a few of the the commonly seen um, wildlife uh, defects, if you will, um, because of the radiation. There are 900 or so dogs, doggos, that are said to live in the exclusion zone. And it's believed that basically like, um, when the people left Pripyat, when they were forcibly evacuated, they were not allowed to bring their pets. Um, so it's believed that these dogs are like descended from those that were left behind that, you know, they just mated with each other. And then there's also, um, some people believe that the dogs also may have like mixed with the wolf population there. So that's why, um, Apparently, there's. It's not uncommon to see dogs that kind of look like a mix of dog and wolf. So, unfortunately, these these cute doggos are more than likely also radioactive. So, guests or visitors to the exclusion zone are widely encouraged to not pet them. No boops to the schnoot, which is really sad. I don't know if I could if I could handle that. You know. It's like human nature. You see a dog, you want to pet it, you want to love it, but then like this dog is basically full of radiation that could kill me. So I guess I guess I would do my best to not touch not touch the dogs, but they are thriving considerably. Apparently, they are also monitored by groups of scientists that tag them, that um, sometimes put like radioactive. Um, radioactive. They put radio radiation monitoring necklaces or collars around them. And they also seem to be taken care of pretty well by some of the people that went to live back in the exclusion zone. So it's very interesting. But another animal mutation that is pretty well known of um, came in the form of the fish population. So it was... Like it was rumored for a while. Again, we didn't know how the radiation was going to affect the wildlife and whatnot. So, a lot of re- weird rumors were associated with, like, what does this radiation do to animals? Um, and there were rumors that it was creating, like, these, like, monstrosity of, like, fish. So, the cooling pools of Chernobyl, so the same water, the cooling pools that were used for. Basically, cooling down the reactors in those um, pools. They're actually home to this day to a very, very large catfish species. Um, they're they're called wells catfish, and they can grow to around three hundred and fifty pounds and larger. But this is not because of radiation. Sadly, these fish do not have like fangs and like arms. And weird things popping out of them. No. Um, It's just the species of catfish. They're just really big. That's normal. And they're thriving because now there's very little competition. There's no humans there. You know? So they're able to thrive, live longer, and grow a lot bigger. So sadly, there are no mutant fish in Chernobyl. So I'm sorry to anybody who had their hopes up. I mean, I guess... Maybe there could be, and we just haven't, we just haven't found them yet. But this, as far as scientists know, um, when it comes to the wildlife. Now, talking about the effects of radiation towards humans. So this is a really debated topic, and in doing my research, it was just very back and forth, like how much the radiation affected people and what it caused kind of a deal in terms of mutations and defects. So again, we just don't know the full scope of how this affected the environment and people. Um, Sadly, because of, again, the fear of the unknown and the questions and the rumors, misinformation about radiation effects, et cetera. Um, Initially, in the subsequent months and years after Chernobyl, um, doctors would incorrectly persuade women to terminate their pregnancies and it's estimated that anywhere around hundred thousand to two hundred thousand um, pregnancies were terminated in Western Europe because of the fear of the potential defects um, that would come of the radiation exposure. So um, birth defects we do know have spiked in the areas around Chernobyl and that have been affected by Chernobyl um, have definitely spiked since 1986. There's an estimate right now um, for the country of Belarus which is the country that's considered to be one of the most uh, devastated and affected by the Chernobyl radiation. It's estimated that up to 20 percent of Belarus's children have suffered disabilities and birth defects connected to Chernobyl. So that's a statistic coming from UNICEF specifically. Um, Some conditions and health uh, defects that we see associated potentially because of the Chernobyl fallout include um, heart conditions, hydro and microcephalus, different types of eye conditions like cataracts, uh, brain defects, developmental defects, thyroid issues, tumors, um, appendage deformities, uh, pulmonary conditions, etc. So you name it and it's probably um, been noticed. Uh, it's just really difficult to fully like attribute a spike of a certain condition or a mutation or a defect and like pinpoint it and say like that was because of Chernobyl. Um, there are a lot of hospitals and orphanages that still exist uh, to this day to care for um, these children and those affected with different illnesses and defects that may or may not have been because of Chernobyl. So it is it, – it, that just really sucks, man. It just really sucks um, that we just – again, we just don't know. But there seems to be – Obvious side effects. Um, this really threw me for a loop. So in 2018, there's always constant studies, guys, constant studies of researchers and scientists um, checking different things in the areas associated uh, with Chernobyl. So in 2018, um, a study done in cows. Uh, around, in like rural villages around Chernobyl and whatnot, um, it studied the milk from these cows and it showed that, unfortunately, this is 2018, they showed levels of cesium that were five times the safe amount um, for adults, but 12 times the safe amount for children. So... Could it be that children are just more vulnerable and they're ingesting these things? You know, I don't know. It just that really sucks. That even till like till now, we're still seeing um, the potential effects of it. But in terms of human mutations, I will sadly have to say that I could not find anything in terms of like human zombies or anything. There are a lot of, there's a lot of, like, media and, like, entertainment, um, I guess, like, stories that, like, talk about, like, like almost like Chernobyl zombies and things like that. Um, but there doesn't seem to be any type of, uh, any type of evidence about that other than what you would find in a video game or, again, in internet fiction. So sadly again, there's no human mutants as far as we know of because of the radiation. We don't have any people with superhuman powers or things like that as of now that we know of. So sorry to tell y'all that mutation-wise, that ain't it. The next debated legend associated with chernobyl is the rumors that there are different types of paranormal activity linked to chernobyl and pripyat so you know these locations are mainly off limits they're deserted they're ghost towns you know they they already have a very eerie vibe about them you know people left in a hurry, and they left all their stuff because they thought they were going to be back. So everything's pretty much um, the exact way that it was when people were there. So it's just all kind of sitting there. But this is another legend um, that I could find a name to, like, in terms of an eyewitness. So there was a man named Andre Karsukov who was a nuclear physicist from New York and who visited the Chernobyl plant um, I believe in 1997 if I remember correctly so he was one of he's been one of the few people basically to go back into the plant um, and do different types of radiation readings etc so he reported that while he was taking radiation readings just outside of the um, reactor number four, the, the concrete sarcophagus that it's in, he recounts that he heard what sounded like someone screaming for a help inside of the reactor sarcophagus and that they were screaming for help because it was a fire. So this scared the shit out of him and he ran to tell somebody what was going on. However, his uh, his peeps, basically assured him that, like, this this can't, that can't be possible. You are literally, like, one of the only people that have entered this area in three years. So there's no way that there could be someone there. And not only just that, the doors to the, to that area had an alarm that if it was tripped or if it was opened would be activated and that hadn't happened and the doors required a password and a handprint to access. So again, there's just no way that there could have been something inside, but Andre seems to stick by his story. And he also noted that later on in the day while they were working on in the, uh, at the plant, um, they were having dinner and they witnessed, so him and others witnessed um, lights come on randomly from inside the installation room, and then turn off by themselves as well. So, you could say maybe it was a power surge, maybe something, there's a logical explanation for it, but it is very, very weird um, that they witnessed this happen there. In the subsequent days before the Chernobyl disaster, Um, Several people in Pripyat, uh, different residents, also claimed to have really weird paranormal supernatural encounters. So several residents claimed to have vivid nightmares leading up to the day of. Again, strange phone calls, kind of like what was going on with Blackbird. And then some people went as far as to say that they were starting to see weird apparitions inside of the town. So very creepy. Um... Since then, visitors into the exclusion zone have also noted different types of weird activity. Um, They've reported seeing shadows and hearing voices. And the eerie part is that these shadow figures that they see often look like men in hazmat suits or in, like, fireman equipment. So, really creepy. Really, really creepy. Could this be the lost souls of those who gave their life trying to contain the tragedy, we do not know. We do not know. this. um, It is worth noting, for those of you who like um, different kinds of TV shows and investigative things, um, back in 2009, I believe, the Destination Truth team um, with Josh Gates actually were one of the first and have been some of the only uh, teams to go in to investigate uh, Pripyat um, and have permission to do so in terms of like paranormal investigations. And um, they did have some interesting encounters there. So what, if that fully accounts for what's going on there, I don't know, but it, a lot of, um, because of the exclusion zone and the different. Uh, risks and like permissions. Um, It's just not an area that really has been able to be investigated long term. All right, the next... Oh, I gotta stretch y'all. Oh my gosh, my shoulders are killing me today. The next theory that is associated with Chernobyl was was the rumor of a Chernobyl illness, quote unquote. So after the tragedy, the disaster, and all these terrible things, you know, rumors began to spread that those who did survive and their families and friends um, had some kind of like contagious illness. So this was at the height of the HIV/AIDS pan like panic when we didn't know a lot about HIV and AIDS, um, and there was a lot of ignorance and panic related to that. So the somewhere along the lines, there was this terrible rumor that was spread that basically an HIV like illness um, was being caused, uh, was basically being spread amongst uh, survivors and anybody associated with, um, with Chernobyl, which is really rough. And this would also go on to affect tourism in many of the regions. And it caused like isolation of people and families just like a lot of like ostracized people which are already dealing with a lot of shit because they survived a nuclear disaster and who knows what's going on already with their bodies to then basically like be shunned by people who think that they basically have something like HIV um which is absolutely terrible Um, People were warned against being around or with those that were considered infected. So, unfortunately, misinformation and fear spread like wildfire um, following the Chernobyl disaster, um, which really sucks for those people who, again, were already going through a lot. Um, But, yeah, there were a lot of rumors about that. And um, there's there's records of people, um, who traveled to that area that would also record, like, hearing and seeing, unfortunately, people spreading these false rumors about this illness. Oh, my back hurts, guys. I decided to film today in my room because I live in a Hispanic household, and my family doesn't always understand keeping quiet, and I have a lovely mic that I'm using right now that unfortunately picks up, like, almost everything. So I'm in my room, and I'm on this comfy chair, and I'm telling you guys these legends and all these cool things, but I'm, like, hunched over forward and, like, really focused as the thunder goes off in the distance, and I just realized that I've been in the same position for the entire time I've been filming, and my shoulders are killing me. So if you hear, like, cracking noises, don't judge me. All right. The final, I guess, big kahuna of legends associated and conspiracy theories with Chernobyl have to do with the government and subsequent government cover-up theories. So basically, again, following the Chernobyl disaster, there was just so much speculation as to what happened, who was involved, like, And it was, there was a lot of secrecy that was shrouding what had happened. And a lot of people just didn't know what was going to come from it as well. So just because there was so little information that was given after the explosion, you know, there was little information provided to the public and ultimately the world, um, it led to that, that silence led to, you know, people putting in their own theories and rumors as to what happened, um it actually took nearly three days for the first announcement uh, to be made about what happened in Chernobyl um, in the Soviet Union. And it was it largely downplayed as well, like the severity of what happened kind of deal. So some of the rumors that are associated with uh, the government, if you could say, there's a rumor that says that the Soviets themselves actually may have blew up the plants um, as a sort of cover up for a failed radar project that they had. So, located near Chernobyl, there was this um, radar project called uh, Duga, Duga, Duga. Yeah. And it was basically going to be an early missile de- detection system, and it failed. Uh, so, some people wondered, like, Could that have something to do with what happened um, in Chernobyl? Or is it just coincidence? Um, There is... Oh, this is a goody one. So I mentioned earlier that HBO did a Chernobyl series. Um, Basically, it was a collaboration with some American actors and then British actors, things like that. So the Russians were not really happy... With that series and with the success it's had because they wanted to tell their story. So the Russians actually made a series, fun fact, they made a series as a direct response to that HBO series. And they claim, and this is a shocking, interesting, spicy little conspiracy theory for you guys, they claim that the U.S. CIA was somehow directly involved with the Chernobyl disaster that day. So according to them, and evidence from historians allegedly claim that there was an agent from the U.S. CIA that was present on the day of the incident at the station. So they claim that it was U.S. spies that infiltrated the plant and ultimately ended up sabotaging The reactor, my dog just started barking, which is great. So, yeah, that's wild. Would it necessarily, like, I guess, would it necessarily shock me? No, um, but I just had to throw that one out there because, hello, and then. Um, there's just rumors, this one ties to it, there's rumors again that the plant was being used for more than just nuclear energy, and that perhaps they were creating plutonium um, for weapons, and maybe the CIA found out about that or had rumor, like speculation about it, so they decided to sabotage the plant before that could happen, before they could create weapons of mass destruction. Uh, perhaps they decided to sabotage the plant so that, because uh, this, this, this is the Cold War is going on right now too, so like we're kind of everywhere. And we had spy, we had like spy radars and stuff over the USSR anyway. So could it have happened? You know, honestly, it wouldn't surprise me. So there were other types of rumors and theories that ultimately, again, came from all over the world and even inside the USSR because of just these speculations involved with Chernobyl Um, some rumors from, for example, in Belarus claimed that there were some types of human experimentations that were happening with those affected by, uh, radiation sickness. And there were rumors that there were children that were being born, um, with yellow liquid, quote unquote, instead of blood. That's gross. Um, there's rumors that, um, ultimately the KGB... So Russia itself secretly sabotaged their plant again. Um, but basically they did this to deter other nations from nuclear power. So basically like just as like a really, I guess, overly dramatic message maybe. I don't know if I believe I will too do much because it could have gone really bad. Um, but we do know that the there were attempts by the uh, USSR government to cover up uh, the disaster and the effects that it could have and the severity of it. Um, There are stories that the government tried to basically cover up and prevent panic from people, especially those, again, around Chernobyl, so Pripyat and whatnot. And there are stories of, like, that apparently, like, the government hired entertainers to go into the surrounding villages to ultimately like entertain and distract people Uh, like there's rumors that there was like a ferris wheel or like a park that opened early in earlier than it was supposed to um to again distract people from the craziness that was going on literally less than two miles away from them um that's just wild in itself right there And then there's another conspiracy theory that says that um, 16 seconds before the first blast at 1.23 a.m., there was a small earthquake that was recorded by three nearby geological stations, and that maybe that had something to do with uh, the explosion that occurred at Chernobyl. So that didn't come out until um, much later. But again, is another one of those conspiracy theories and potential, like, explanations maybe um, to account for what in the heck happened in Chernobyl kind of a deal. So there were other types of rumors and theories that ultimately again came from all over the world and even inside the USSR because of just the speculations involved with Chernobyl. Um, some rumors from, for example, in Belarus claimed that there were some types of human experimentations that were happening with those affected by uh, radiation sickness. And there were rumors that there were children that were being born um, with yellow liquid, quote unquote, instead of blood. That's gross. Um, There's rumors that um, ultimately the KGB... So Russia itself secretly sabotaged their plant again. Um, but basically they did this to deter other nations from nuclear power. So basically like just as like a really, I guess, overly dramatic message, maybe. I don't know if I believe that will too do much because it could have gone really bad. Um, but we do know that the there were attempts by the uh, USSR government to cover up uh, the disaster and the effects that it could have and the severity of it. Um, There are stories that the government tried to basically cover up and prevent panic from people, especially those, again, around Chernobyl, so Pripyat and whatnot. And there are stories of, like, that apparently, like, the government hired entertainers to go into the surrounding villages to ultimately like entertain and distract people Uh, like there's rumors that there was like a ferris wheel or like a park that opened early in earlier than it was supposed to um to again distract people from the craziness that was going on literally less than two miles away from them um that's just wild in itself right there And then there's another conspiracy theory that says that um, 16 seconds before the first blast at 1.23 a.m., there was a small earthquake that was recorded by three nearby geological stations, and that maybe that had something to do with uh, the explosion that occurred at Chernobyl. So that didn't come out until um, much later. But again, is another one of those conspiracy theories and potential, like, explanations maybe um to account for what in the heck happened in Chernobyl kind of a deal. So there we have it folks that's Chernobyl's history, some of the mysteries associated with it, the different conspiracy theories and legends um, that are tied to this ultimately very tragic uh, disaster that occurred back in 1986, um, ultimately releasing over 40 to 50 times the amount of radio uh, radioactive materials into the atmosphere than the Hiroshima atomic bomb did back in World War II. So it's It is definitely a tragedy. It is still considered to this day one of the worst um, nuclear power plant disasters. And it could have been much, much worse. And we still don't know even just how bad um, the effects of it are. So I did want to say um, to just say that, you know, I'd like to pay my respects to everybody who lost their lives associated with the disaster. Anybody who is potentially dealing with the ramifications to this very day of this horrible disaster, you know, um, our deepest condolences to all those um, affected by this tragedy. And ultimately, may we learn from our mistakes and hopefully it doesn't happen again uh, anywhere in the world, even though um, nuclear power plants are found in quite a few places and sometimes if you google you can find out that they exist literally less than an hour from your house yikes so thank you guys for tuning in yet again to another episode here at cryptid chats um i thank you guys for listening for supporting the podcast for supporting the instagram page um I want to give a shout out to anyone that has submitted uh, viewer stories for our um, story chat episode. The next episode we do will be a story chat episode, which will be, again, viewer submitted stories. Um, So please, guys, if you want to share your stories, any kind of stories, it can be an experience you've had. It can be a, um, a story you've heard Maybe it can be a theory. Anything at all that you think um, applies to what we cover here at Cryptid Chat, um, send it over again to Cryptid Chat, um, cryptidchatyammy at gmail.com so we can stuff this next episode. I'm really excited to share viewer submitted stories, to share my stories. Uh, I'm going to see if we can get a guest on our next uh, story chat episode to discuss these different viewer submitted in stories. But again, thank you guys so much for the support. It is because you are listening that we are here. So wherever you're listening, be it anchor, Apple podcasts, Spotify, or beyond. Thank you for your support. Please make sure to follow us um, wherever podcasts are found, send reviews. And if again, um, if you ever want to get in contact with us here at Cryptid Chat, our Instagram is open for the DMs and we have our email. So hope you guys are doing well and I'll see you guys again for another episode of Cryptid Chat with Yammy.